Coming up on today's show, Green Tag Theme Park in 30. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is day 27 of our 61-day Hauntathon, counting down to Halloween. Today is Monday, September 27th, and there are 34 days until Halloween. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up to our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. And now, Green Tag Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Los Angeles, California, and Tampa, Florida, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Swenson of Co- Scott Swenson Creative Development. Hello, Scott. Hello. Hey, Philip. How you doing? I'm here still, which is, We're making I guess, our way surprising. through the haunt season, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, we're slowly, slowly but surely making our way through the haunt season, trying to stay upright, uh, trying to stay awake. Um, I'm I'm in rehearsals right now for about three different projects, and I know you've seen probably three different projects in the last fifteen minutes. So you know mm-hmm. it's uh, tis tis the season. Yes, I am standing physically, literally right now, so that I don't uh, fall over, <laughs> fall asleep, <laughs> keeping you away by standing up. Yes. So, all right, let's get through some of these. We have some great quick hits here. First of all. President Biden has announced the easing of border restrictions. Starting November, date to be determined, <laughs> foreign nationals who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19, including those enrolled in clinical trials for vaccines not yet approved, will be able to travel to the United States without the quarantine requirement. Additionally, the CDC will require airlines to collect information on passengers to help with contact tracing. Now, the CDC request or requirement uh, for airlines, that is international travel, correct? Correct. Or is that internal travel as well? No, that is international travel for people that are coming in from other countries. The airlines will collect their information for contact tracing. Yeah, you know, I again, not the scientist, so I'm going to have to go with uh, going to have to go. With, I've I've picked I, I picked my my uh, my resource for good information, which has been the CDC since the very beginning, and uh, so great. I think for all of us in the industry, that's also a very good sign, and hopefully, it won't uh, won't lead us to another another downslide on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's, it also shows that we need to take responsibility for our own, uh, our own parks, our own museums, our own zoos, et cetera. So. Yeah. It's uh, something that IAPA has been, you know, lobbying for because opening up international travel is really get, getting people back in to go to tourism destinations. You know, that's all international travels do. Obviously they're, right. they're here for tourism. So, of some kind or another. So it, it's a big step in the right direction. There are no details yet. So we will, of course, as soon as we find out more, but um, November is a interesting target date. It's also right before IAPA. And so other, you know, there are other trade shows as well that really rely on international business to make them operate. So we'll, um, we'll keep watching it, but I think it, overall it's a good, it's a good trend. So anyway, mm-hmm. Um, I do like how they just kind of slipped in the uh, the airline information. Remember previously, this is a thing we'll get to later, but remember previously how airlines were like, we can't possibly collect more information. Oh my God, that would be too much. There's already so much to do. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, as someone who hasn't, who hasn't really stopped flying through the entire pandemic, um, they got, they, they can collect quite a bit of it. Quite a bit more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Would you like a credit card? Here's the credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they can offer me a credit card with a with a personalized pin number on it so that I can get X number of miles, um, they can collect 
whether I've been vaccinated or not. Uh, it's pretty, yes. pretty, pretty easy. But, you know, well, there's, we, there are, we do have a couple of examples of organizations that are kind of taking it on their own and, and uh, making, making what I feel are the right choices. Calgary Zoo, for example, is to require proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test. Uh, the Calgary Zoo will soon require all visitors 12 years and older to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test before entering the facility. The new rule goes into effect on Monday, September 20th. This is actually ahead of the time that the uh, the Canadian restrictions are asking them asking people to do that. And they're an outdoor facility primarily. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're not even required to do this. But this is a perfect example of what I just said about taking things into uh, your own hands and making certain that your guests and your staff remain safe uh, so that, you know, we can all continue to operate. And I think we've learned now beyond a shadow of a doubt that by making people or requiring people to wear masks or requiring additional information about people is not turning people away. It is not making the, the attendance trend down. You know, uh, so many people, especially here in Florida, um, so many of the organizations are actually trending, well, I I won't say back to 19 numbers, but higher than, or back to 19 or 18 numbers, but certainly higher than they were anticipating um, because people are ready to come back. Yep. Yeah. So when speaking of that and also of uh, people going ahead of the curve, uh, Universal Studios Hollywood has put back in their mask requirement and to specify because i i have been here i've been to hollywood since this is in place and it is basically at all times when you are on the resort property you must have your mask properly worn unless you were actively eating or drinking and it's we just talked about this last week because there's a new um a new mandate that is in its way getting finalized in this area that that could possibly require venues such as theme parks to require that guests show some sort of negative test or proof of vaccination. And so it's just, remember that the last week we talked about how Universal was kind of squawking about that. Like we have different, we're a different place. We do things differently than other people. Like, okay. Um, uh, and, and so this week they're like, well, we'll just put the mask back. <laughs> and I, I, what I suspect is this has more to do with seeing the writing on the wall and also wanting to retrain guests to act in a certain way. Cause you can't go from zero to a hundred with this many guests and the expectations. And from what I've seen, they are good at policing it, but it is still something that is a struggle. You know, you, you, you it's, it's one of those things where you, you, um, it's like, <laughs> it's like back the, the trash can thing. It isn't like you, everywhere you look, you could see a trash can. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Everywhere you look, you can see somebody, that um, is uh, getting in trouble for not wearing their mask properly. So it still requires that. And and again, you know, uh, like I like I just mentioned, I've been continuing to do a lot of air travel, and considering that it is required <clears throat> on all flights, um, and and in all airports right now, that you remain masked with your nose and mouth covered, except as you say when you are actively eating or drinking. And so anyone who says that it can't be done hasn't been in an airport recently because it can be done. And the vast majority of people are wearing them. Um, different different airports have different uh, ways of enforcing it. Um, once you get on the plane, it is very consistent. It's cover your nose, please, cover your nose, please, cover your nose, please, because people are wearing their masks around their upper lip. You know, apparently they don't breathe through their nose. I don't know. But um, 
but it, it, it can be mandated and, and no one has gotten upset about it um, that I've seen. I'm sure people get fussy about it. But some airports, like, for example, when I fly into and out of Philadelphia, uh, the Philly airport has a uh, recorded announcement that tells you point blank it is uh, for the first infraction can be uh, a fine of up to fifteen hundred dollars. And for the second infraction, um, up to three thousand dollars. So um, they make it very, very clear. Now, I did hear some people scoff about, wow, this is a very expensive mask that I'm wearing because it's saving me a ton of money. Ha 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 ha. But they had their mask on. So, yeah. um, the, the, the ends are certainly justifying the means in that particular case. Uh, it, it, so it can be done. It can easily be done. And, uh, you know, I, I realize that in an airport, they hold a little bit more sway because, you know, you've got, you've got either TSA or they can just say, you're not getting on the plane and you're not getting to your business yeah. or you're not getting home or you're not going on your vacation. Um, I don't know. It, it can be done. You just have to make sure the rules are clear up front and that it is consistently administered because the moment it stops becoming consistently administered, somebody says, well, they didn't have their mask on, or I saw three people back there who were walking. No, it has to be consistently administered. So it sounds like, it sounds like, you know, um, Universal Studios Hollywood is doing it correctly because as you say, they're putting up, they're putting people around all everywhere to help, help mandate and control. So it's that kind of thing that's going to lead to our recovery. So we got it. We just got to be consistent about it. And uh, speaking of recovery, and you mentioned this earlier about demand, the mass mandate is definitely not discouraging demand at Hollywood because they continue to sell out their uh, Halloween Horror Nights in the evening events. And also, uh, we are at another quarter now, and so we have quarterly updates, of course, from Disney and from Cedar Fair. And both Disney and Cedar Fair did mention that they are seeing continued recovery from the coronavirus impact with increased park reservations and attendance numbers. And Cedar Fair specifically said, the strength and resilience of our business model has quickly propelled operations back to near historic levels over the past 10 weeks. Yeah, it's, uh, people have, you know, and we've we've been talking about this for quite some time now. They've been stockpiling money because they haven't been going out. And now that, you know, they can't, they feel that they feel more comfortable or there are ways that they feel more comfortable, whether it's being masked or vaccinated or, or both which is my case most of the time. Um, so they're, they're out there and they're, um, they're doing what they need to do. You know, uh, th- I, there's a phrase, there's a phrase that's also used in the, uh, the Cedar Fair Properties um, article that I think, or uh, blurb here that I think is interesting. And that is um, the term revenge shopping. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very interesting, but it does play into human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Aha, uh-huh, I'll show you. I'm going to go and do something that I haven't been able to do for two whole years. I'm going to go do it. Ha ha. I'll show you. It's kind of like those people during hurricanes who paint the name of the hurricane uh, on their on their board up windows and and say that says things like, um, I dare you, Floyd, or, you know, stay away, Floyd. They, it's it's that challenging against something that really doesn't have a, an entity or a cognitive thought process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. but it is it's it's revenge and it's a great way for people to feel as though they've kind of gotten theirs, you know. Yep. Well, and uh, a great way right now, of course, for people to revenge shop is <laughs> going to Halloween events, which of course is something that we are kind of in the middle of. And uh, due to the increased demand of some of these Halloween events, we're starting to, as always, see some problems that arise, which they do every year. And uh, this year. 
Um, the first kind of policy I think we've seen from a major park is uh, Bush Gardens Williamsburg is not allowing bags for their Hallow Scream event. Park attendees can't bring bags into the park after 4 p.m., at least for the rest of Hallow Scream event running until Halloween. You can still have wristlets or containers less than 8 inches by 5 inches, but security will inspect those. It, to me, it just sounds like the the rules of a concert. You yeah. know, uh, it's, it's, it's concert rules now. Um, and, and again, I don't really see... I don't really see that that's anything particularly unusual. I mean, let's face it, there have been a couple of there have been a couple of very unfortunate violent incidents at at Halloween events um, recently, and I think it's it's important to recognize and be proactive to help try to prevent those. Um, I can remember a time when I would go to any event at a certain theme park uh, in Richmond, Virginia, uh, where I would have to go through a metal detector in order to get into the park during the day. So. Not being able to take in uh, backpacks or whatever. I mean, in in Indianapolis, there was a concert that I walked by, and they said you could either bring in your eight and a half by five, your less than eight and a half by five uh, clutch. They referred to it, or if you did have a a larger bag, it had to be transparent, mm, so mm-hmm. that you, that anybody and everybody could see into it because it's an outdoor concert venue and there is lawn seating, so people, you know would bring in blankets and, and that sort of thing. Um, so again, it's, it's safety. It's not uh, an invasion of personal privacy. And as long as it's communicated upfront clearly, so it's not a surprise yeah. and people show up with, you know, every, everything they could possibly need and, uh, and then have to go back to their car and put it away, you know, make the guest experience comfortable, seamless. And so that nobody becomes embarrassed or angry because they get, the the rug pulled out from underneath them. Yeah, I, I think that point is interesting to highlight, which is making the the guest experience better, and and also by you know by telling by upfront saying expectation, but also about making sure that you're doing what you can to kind of preempt some of this. And and concert rules is a good because some of these events really are probably best described as concerts mm-hmm. at larger park, but even for the, the smaller attractions. And I think one of the reasons behind that, which we are already seeing, which we see every year is that the big news, they love to latch on to any little safety thing at attractions and especially at Halloween events. They just, they love it. It's like, I can't even with them, they're addicted to it. And, you know, this year we've already, we've had one shooting, which is terrible, but it was picked up everywhere and floated all over the place. But then this week's thing was a quote unquote stabbing, which was really much more like a scare actor had a, uh, like a small knife that they nicked someone with who was fine, didn't require any medical attention. And that person proceeded to do the experience anyway. (laughs) Um, But that was picked up all over, all over the headlines, just going insane. And then since then uh, the attraction has uh, let the person go let the character go, you know, fire them, remove them from the work and et cetera, et cetera. So I just think like now is the season for crisis management. Like it's starting now and it's going to carry through the Christmas and the, and through New Year's when we have these big crowd events and crisis management, it's critical. And it happens to be something that uh, Scott is well-versed in. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's, it makes, it actually makes total sense. These are things that, you know, I've always been, concerned about and always been mm-hmm. focused on is is safety and fire safety and ADA requirements and and 
you know, appropriate actor training and and clearing up what their responsibilities are, what they can and cannot have on set. Um, and I, I think that it's been even heightened more. And I think it's part of the reason that the news media, even more so than in the past, is looking yeah. for anything, any little um, scrap to, to latch into and just shake the heck out of when it comes to uh, a safety infraction at, at, a, at a haunt. Um, because, uh, you know, the pandemic has elevated all of our all of our senses as to, gosh, is this safe? Is this not? You know, I still I still watch old TV programs and go, oh, my gosh, they're so close. They really should be wearing masks. Well, not really, because it was, you know, recorded in 1975. So there, it doesn't make any sense. But we've been trained to be more sensitive to that kind of thing, especially those of us who are concerned about safety and, and want to make sure that we're doing everything we can. So, uh, you know, I think it's just taken an already heightened sense and and ramped it up two more notches. And again, we are, I've said this forever, we in the haunt industry are here to entertain people by frightening them, not to put them in mortal danger. So, in fact, it's quite the opposite. We want to help suspend that disbelief so that the guests can have a great time, not walk away injured. And, you know, we also, especially theme park haunts, put themselves into a very difficult position. They invite people to their park after it gets dark, fill them with alcohol, and then mm-hmm. scare them, yeah. you know. So it is. There is an elevated, uh, a, a, an elevated risk factor, but there should also be an elevated attention to detail when it comes to safety. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't. I have absolutely zero problem with making certain that the guests aren't bringing things in, and I would actually hold the the performers to the same standard. Yeah, it's also worth noting. I don't know if this is how it plays out at other places. But of course, you know, Universal Hollywood has started bringing out um, more drug dogs as well to just go through lines and sniff people. And, you know, I watched someone get taken out of line uh, just for that reason, you know, just yesterday, you know, that's like, it's, it's all, I think, in the preventative steps, as Scott is mentioning in about some of these, some of these adjustments, you know, reducing the bags and much more security and screening for your cast as well because we have so, we have so many seasonal workers right now that mm-hmm. a lot of them are temporary and there's just a lot of caution you know, that will really prevent you from having any one thing that will that media will latch onto yep yep okay well turning to i guess in industry news the TEA has officially established a formal presence in China the themed themed entertainment association has completed the establishment of a wholly foreign owned entity, the TEA business consulting LTD, commonly known as TEA China, the organization's official legal presence in mainland China with headquarters in Shanghai. This new endeavor provides TEA with official presence in China, the fastest growing market for themed experiences. So they started, they they made a plan and just thought it was interesting that it, been, they've been planning for this for a while, and it was unanimously unanimously approved by the TEA International Board Directors, following followed by the Chinese government approval in July of 2021. So just <laughs> good news, but also interesting news that you know they they it was a, need to be a separate legal entity that was then approved with the government's consent there. But overall, a good step for the industry because it will allow them to build bridges between us here in on the US side and and the China side in terms of in industry uh, partnerships. Yeah, it it's 
I mean, it's clearly, to use a really odd colloquial phrase, it's clearly it clearly shooting where the ducks are flying. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's being in the right place for the industry, and uh, it it makes total sense to me. I'm a little surprised it took this long, to be completely honest. But as you say, they've been discussing it and uh, starting any new entity or um, some fo- any form of an entity in China, uh, I'm sure, and I know, Philip, you know, you understand this much better than I do, Yes, um, yes. but I'm sure it takes a great deal of time, a great deal of planning, uh, a great deal of government intervention, and a great deal of documentation and red tape. Yeah, it does. But, but it's also exciting because it, it's kind of needed for us to be able to cooperate in industry with uh, with folks in China, and especially because the market is is pretty different, and there are a lot of regulations. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, also speaking of the TEA, this week they announced their the theme index, which is done in partnership with ACOM. So the TEA ACOM theme index and museum index shares figures from the previous calendar year based on research from ACOM's team of industry specialists, along with expert analysis and discussion on trends. The 2020 edition is now available. And so it's going to be on, on, of course, on the the pandemic year, (laughs) of course. Um, But what I thought was the most interesting was a statement here from the senior VP for economics from ACOM. And he gave a nice perspective I think we need to have for attractions. So he said, we can't expect recovery to equal an instant return to 2019 numbers. Those represented an economic peak, the best in five decades. A more realistic expectation would be to achieve a level comparable to an average of several years pre-COVID. So following the steep drop of 2020, we can expect that 2021 will manifest as a bounce back year and that 2022 will usher in a real recovery. In 2023, guest expectations will rise and operators should plan and budget for reinvestment appropriately. I think that makes total sense. And again, echoes kind of what we've been talking about um, as far as coming back. You know, the, the numbers are coming back. This means that there's going to be this this flood, this swell. Then things are going to even out and it'll be like, ooh, okay, so we've we've gone back after our year away and now or our two years away and now we uh, we need something new. So yeah, it, it makes total sense. And I will I will be honest, um, there are many, many, many uh, organizations in the industry right now, many companies in the, in the industry right now that are already planning for 23. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them have, I'm, I've already been either contracted for or um, contacted to, pre- to provide quotes for um, stuff that's that far out. And uh, it's, it's great to see that, that these companies are, are looking forward. They recognize, you know, they're seeing this trend. They're recognizing that, um, there's going to be a swell this year, no matter what they do, just because there are people feel more confident because of vaccinations and masking um, to come out. Um, but it, it, they they recognize that you know 22 is going to be a boon, 23 is going to be hey we need something fresh. So yeah, I, this this makes total total and complete sense to me. So for what it's worth, I support that statement 100. <laughs> yeah. percent What do I know? But it sounds right. Yeah, and I I appreciate the perspective, you know, of com- coming from a, a vendor standpoint, you know, seeing it, seeing the perspective. It's it's something that we, as as you just mentioned, we had also 
uh, kind of figured it out internally. But I'm glad that that now we have this a resource to reference, and there's a lot more into the report to dig into, which we will not do on today's show, but we will do potentially in the future. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Sometime after we get through the Halloween season, quite honestly. Yeah, I yes. That. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I'm thinking about right now is just surviving. Yep. So, yep. okay. So let's do a little finish off here with a section that I am dubbing collaborations that are killing it. And the first collaboration we have um, is uh, Chilling Thrilling Sounds of Scarehouse. And so I'm going to read here from their website, but... Uh, Designed for Halloween fun, Scarehouse presents a modern screamscape designed in the spirit of classy, spooky sound effect vinyl albums from the 60s and 70s, created by Scarehouse and their local sound designer. So this is a, I interviewed the uh, um, John Singh, who works on the public relations strategy um, for Scarehouse about this, this, and it's quite interesting. You know, they were sitting around trying to figure out this year what they could release to kind of engage fans, and they settled on taking all the sounds that they do produce in house and kind of creating a playlist and albums so that you could take something from Scarehouse and bring it home to you, but also something that could, you know, help engage people more. We talk about this all the time, but it's a great idea, especially if you have these assets. And I, I just love it. I, I love the sounds. I love the concept. I love you could use it as a spooky playlist. You can use it for Halloween parties. It's also, it is a great way to kind of engage media and engage influencers. So I think that's, it's very cool. Well, and, and it's, it's really interesting because it's really interesting to me because vintage Halloween, um, just even in concept, is huge right now. I mean, even the shirt, even the shirt that I'm wearing in this video, uh, is is all vintage Halloween uh, comic print art. Um, the bicycle catalog has been sold mm-hmm. and licensed over and over again with all of those classic Halloween images. I don't think there's anybody in the haunt industry who didn't at one point in time have uh, spooky sounds of a haunted house on vinyl. If you're my age, um, but it's so this whole concept, this whole idea is is harkening back to a uh, what is now a vintage time. It's kind of sad that I've gotten to the point where vintage is something that I remember vividly, but um, it's a a vivid, a vintage time of the sixties and seventies where you had these sound effects albums and they were popular amongst everyone, not just haunters. It's not something that you bought at a haunt convention. So yes, I think this is Mm -hmm. great. I think it's a great repurposing of assets. It's, uh, it's definitely a, a smart pivot from a business standpoint. It's like, what do we have that people might want? Oh, you know what? We create all these cool sound effects. Let's see if we can offer those. So yeah, yeah. kudos. Super smart. And our next collaboration is Chocolate Meltdown, Hershey's After Dark debuts on Food Network. I'm so excited about this. Okay, Hershey, Pennsylvania is the star of the show in this four-episode Food Network series that debuts September 27th at 10 p.m. as part of the network's Halloween lineup. The excitement doesn't end there, though. Chocolate lovers can live out their sweet dreams when they visit Hershey Park during the Halloween season, enjoying unique twists on iconic Hershey treats that are inspired by the show. The vice president of the Hershey Experience quoted, showcasing the best of what Hershey Park has to offer from the Hershey's Chocolate World to Hershey Park on Food Network has been a unique, special experience that only Hershey can provide. The most exciting part is that people can actually experience their favorite parts of the show in real life right here in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I think that the takeaways from this it's rare that a press release includes, like, I think the biggest takeaways. But <laughs> in this case, she's right on the money. Because th- this is exactly something that only Hershey can do because it's tied to what they do at the park. And the fact that the show takes place 
in the park. Like you, you, you are, it's directly involved in it. And so people can, there's a direct correlation between watching and visiting. And for those two reasons, this is like an A plus collaboration. Yeah, it makes, it makes total, it makes total sense. I mean, it makes total sense. And again, it kind of goes back to stuff that I've talked about in multiple seminars and have brought up in, in pretty much every, you know, article or book I've ever written. And that is find those ways to, to create those partnerships that, that showcase those things only you can do. You know, if uh, there's no point in trying to mimic the, the park or the museum or the zoo down the street, um, because they've already got a lock on it, find out what only you can do. And, you know, Hershey, the Hershey brand is, is so solid and it's, it's, it's one of those things that I can't say Hershey Park without my mouth watering because I'm such Mm -hmm. a chocolate fan. So uh, yes, it's uh, kudos, kudos, and more kudos. It gives people the opportunity to um, live what they've seen on TV and taste what they've seen on TV and uh, enjoy that, that extra part. It's, it's, it's four episodes of marketing for the park. Um, and it makes, it makes the immersive quality just one level deeper. So yeah, it makes total sense. I'll I'll be watching. I'm going to check it out. Mm -hmm. I don't have cable, but I will try and figure it out. (laughs) You'll find it somewhere. I, I, uh, all right. Our our last story, we're heading up on time here. So we might need to circle back when we get a little bit more, but our last story here is is basically, I'll try and explain this. Basically, um, Vantam Media, a Tokyo-based communications company, and the Amazing Jiro are working together to create the first haunted house NFT. And basically, I will try and expand this because I just did my uh, my first uh, bilingual interview uh, where I, I interviewed Jiro and the team about this. And in essence, Jiro is, is a really f- a famous makeup artist in Japan, and he has a kind of a haunted house background. And so he created a haunted house experience inside of this four ton truck. And then he partnered with Vanton Media and they set up an NFT for the truck. And it's kind of like, it it doesn't give you the ownership of the truck, but it gives you kind of like a, it's like a timeshare thing where if you, if you purchase the NFT, you get like a week of time and then uh, they will, they will bring it to wherever you are. So like if, if you're wherever you are, they will bring the experience to you and let you do whatever you want with it. So you could have a private party, you could open it up for an attraction, you know, you could be a VIP experience, whatever. So there's a minimum bid in order to pay for all that, but that's the concept behind it. Yeah, again, the, the whole the whole uh, the whole NFT concept is so far beyond my brain. Um, I I still view it in in a negative light. So uh, hopefully it's one of those things that I will eventually understand better and, uh, because it looks like it's the wave of the future. So I, I can either, I can either drown in it or, uh, or surf. So let's, let's hope I can surf in this wave. Well, guys, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. We're out of time. And, uh, thank you all so very, very much. Once again, please spread the word, like us, subscribe, yeah, go to greentagshow.com, uh, for all of the show notes that Philip works so incredibly hard to put together and, uh, and make give you access to even uh, deeper exploration of the things that we talked about on the show. Until next week, my name is Scott Swenson from Scott Swenson Creative Development. And on behalf of my co-host, Philip Hernandez with Gantam Lighting and the Haunted Attraction Network, we'll see you next week. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.